Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walchef. This is a Cali BBQ Media production. Every single week, we talk about digital hospitality. Every business needs to be digital. You need to own your own website. It needs to be mobile-friendly. You need to create your own content first for your website and then distribute it to social media. You also need to be in the hospitality business. Um, no matter what business you're in, it is very important that people are not ignored on different digital channels. Every week, we talk to people that are doing incredible things in the digital media space, the digital marketing space, the personal branding space, uh, people that have written books, and basically anybody that's doing things that we admire. This week, I was fortunate enough to go um, to my mentor, David Meltzer. Um, he invited me. He bought some barbecue online, and he bought some margaritas online. Um, I delivered them to his house in South Mission, and yep. he introduced me to Casey Adams, our guest today. Um, he said, do you know who Casey Adams is? And I said, "You know, David, I don't know. He goes, well, you should meet him. Um, he's very, He's doing some very significant work, and for a man that is that does as much as Dave does for him to say that to me um, in a setting so informal setting but for him to say that to somebody um, I was very impressed and you know I met Casey there we exchanged some uh, DMs and then I started to listen to his Rise of the Young podcast Casey has interviewed Larry King, the great Larry King, greatest interviewer of all time. He has interviewed Tillman Fertitta, owner of the Rockets, um, somebody that's on my big ask podcast list. Uh, he's interviewed Jesse Itzler, who is a fucking rock star. That was a phenomenal podcast. Chris Voss, who's a former FBI agent, written one of my favorite books, which is Never Split the Difference. Um, you're only 19 years old. Um, that is probably the most impressive thing for me. I've never interviewed somebody that young, um, but I'm fired up to talk to you today, man. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me on, man. That was quite the intro. It's it's so cool because I, I went out to San Diego just spur of the moment, decided to go out there, and we had an Airbnb four places down from Dave's, and I'm so glad that we connected, and I wish we had more time to chat there, but now that we're doing the podcast today, I'm glad that we're finally having a, a conversation, so thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. I'm uh, I'm super excited. I'm 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 very inspired by somebody that's as young as you are that's doing the digital work that you're doing, um, and I want to talk more about kind of your path and really actually let's let's start with your first internet oh shit moment because I think it's something that people don't talk about enough and you know somebody that's built a following of over 250,000 Instagram followers you've got this incredible following on TikTok you've built this top 50 podcast what was your first internet oh shit moment I love that question, man. I think there's a lot of little ones that add up, right? But I mean, looking back, I mean, social media has opened up every door of opportunity from my network to business opportunity to where I live now to the people that I live with. And I think one of the early, like you said, oh shit moments on social media was whether that's just sending a DM to someone and getting a response from someone I admire, something like that. Like I remember the first time I reached out to, um, Um, This guy named Ty Lopez, who was someone that I was looking up to for quite some time. And he was someone that I was in his programs. And after I spoke at this event, I just decided to shoot him a DM saying thank you. 
And from that DM, two weeks later, he was flying me out to Los Angeles with my mom and I. And that's when I was able to meet him for the first time, first time going to Los Angeles. And that was the first moment where I got to really feel that moment of like, wow, a digital gesture, sending a DM on Instagram led me to being flown out to one of my mentor's houses in Los Angeles. I'm from a small town in Virginia. This is crazy. Let me keep doing it. So I would say that was the first, and this is back in 2017, but that was the first moment where it really showed me, uh, you know, what's possible. But one of those like, oh, wow, this is this is crazy that something so simple can open up such a big opportunity. So, yeah, I would say that was the first one. That's that's a great story. I'm I'm really happy that you you, you took us there. And I'd love to know because I know I mean, I, I've, I've, I've read your story and I, and I know that tragedy really, you know, a dark moment led you to the path that you're on. Can you bring us back to that moment? Yeah, totally. I mean, for those that don't know, so when I was 15 years old, I was almost paralyzed playing football. I was in a neck brace for a little over six months. I was diagnosed with um, interspinous ligament damage. And it was during that six month period where I really just dove into personal development, started to learn more about social media and building a personal brand and more so as you know so well, it's like documenting my journey as an individual to build a personal brand. And that's really when I looked into the digital world and really just fell in love with what's available from a social media perspective. And long story short, it was in that, you know, negative situation that opened up my eyes to a new opportunity. And I just fell in love with learning this new skill set, which was social media um, advertising, building a personal brand. And four years later, it's led to, you know, different things like podcasting where I really, I've found my voice and that's something I've been doing the last two and a half years, really pushing that. And yeah, man, but it was, you know, during that negative moment where I really had to recreate a new identity for myself at 15 years old. And it definitely, um, turned out into something great and opened up a lot of doors. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really important, you know, for people in my generation, and I call myself a fringe millennial. I know that you were bo- you were born in the year that I graduated high school, which was two thousand. So okay. I graduated and I graduated in two thousand, and you probably don't know, but there was a Y two K bug. This was this incredible bug. There was a glitch in the internet, and it was going to literally wipe off the earth. And this is like no bullshit. People were worried about Y two K. I was class of two thousand. Um, you know, I consider myself a fringe millennial. I was born in eighty two. But for me, you know, being 38 years old, I'm posting way more about my business and about my personal life than most of my peers. And I have some very successful friends that are doing incredible work, um, you know, as far as a, as a success, success standpoint and the impact that they're making. But I want you to talk more about your generation and how you guys view social media, because you're growing up in a totally different world than I grew up in, yet our paths have commingled. Yeah. And our paths have commingled because of similar interests. And those similar interests have opened up the doors for me personally and for you personally. And that's something that I think that's the magic. That's that internet oh shit. That's that, you know, that that's the stuff that makes the hair on my on my on my hand stand up when I start talking about it because I know that it's exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I think the the way I look at social media, and I think a lot of people in my generation would agree, is it's something we sort of we grew up with, right? From a sense of like, for example, I got an Instagram when I was 13. So I really, I didn't, you know, I didn't, ha- I think there's a huge difference between someone like my cousin who was born in 2010 than myself who was born in 2000, right? Even that 10 year gap, like I didn't get on social media until I was a teenager, right? But the way I look at social media, and I, I think a lot of business owners should hear this, where it's like, we look at it 
not only from a commerce perspective, but it's like what's cool and what's relevant, right? Like we know we don't need to go, I don't need to go to Mastro's to go pick up a steak, right? I can order it on Uber Eats, I can get it Postmates. Like we're, I think we look at it as just, we adapt to new technology and social media and just the internet has always been something we utilize. And I think that for a business owner, you need to adapt to it, right? Especially on social media, right? If you don't have a presence on social media as a as a brand, are you even a brand? Like, think about that from, a, from someone that's using social media. If I can't go on Instagram and look up your brand and follow you guys, in my eyes, it's not that you guys aren't relevant, it's like you don't exist, right? Yes, so yes. I saw, like 100%, so I look at it like, if for the people listening, as someone in my generation that was, you know, 19 years old, born in the year 2000, <laughs> social media as as just a credibility for an individual as a brand. If I go to a networking event, I want to be able to follow you on Instagram on social media. Like I don't care on business cards, right? And that's something that it may be, um, you know, not the right thing for me to say. But if I want to be able to slide in your DMs like we did, we didn't necessarily meet at Dave's and talk for 20 minutes. But I was like, hey. But I'll slide you a DM on Instagram. We talked. Now we're here doing the podcast, right? So there's a level of communication and business that can happen on social. And it's super important that people adopt it because it's something that's already has taken over. But there's there's a lot to learn with it. And I think for everyone that hasn't, you know, bought into it fully, that they're gonna be left behind for sure. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, one of the things we say is that if, if we can't tag you, we can't pimp you. Um, you know, if yeah. we, we've built our restaurant, we built our brand, we built our reputation by literally doing it all for ourselves, learning as, I mean, we opened our restaurant in 2008 in the height of the economic recession. And, you know, 2007 was the year that the first iPhone came out. So literally, you know, web 2.0, all these apps are being built, Facebook, Facebook business, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Yelp. All of them are all getting built while we're trying to run our business and get people in our doors. We learned that, like, listen, the Internet doesn't give a shit. Like, it doesn't discriminate. There's people on all those platforms, and they want to know who we are and what the fuck we do. So we better be on there, and we better own our content so it's not somebody else making it, but it's us. You know, and we're also responding to it. Um, I'd love for you to tell me about your Gary Vee experience. <laughs> Gary Vee, I, I think a lot of people that you know maybe listening, they they probably know who Gary Vee is, right? But it, <laughs> yeah. he's someone that really inspired me and in, in sort of you know pointing me in the direction of like what a personal brand is, and also he's the one who inspired me to start a podcast. I remember I was reading his recent book, Crushing It, and the last chapter he talked about podcasting and how it's a vehicle to collaborate, it's a vehicle of communication, it's a vehicle to you know just to to form relationships. And at the time I was like, okay, I'm throwing events and I'm building relationships there. And I'm, I'm really invested into building relationships with high quality people. And through Gary and what he talked about, about, you know, give, 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 ask, and the, the value of the jab, 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 right hook mentality. I just really fell in love with everything that he was preaching. But I met Gary, it was like March 2018, and it's hilarious how it happened. And this just goes back to the the power of social. So I was following K Swiss, which is obviously the sneaker brand, and they did a Gary Vee sneaker collaboration back in 2018. And the K Swiss team actually reached out to me to send me an exclusive pair of Gary Vee sneakers before they dropped. And that's because a I had a brand, I was putting out content in the entrepreneur world, and they wanted me to represent the sneaker and do a little you know story post about it. But I remember the day I got the sneakers, I I warmed the high school and I posted like an Instagram story of me walking into school and that day I slid in Gary's DMs and this is like you know he's not following me we've never connected before but Gary's someone that 
is actively on social. And I always tell someone like, you're only one DM away. You're only one email away. You're only one phone call away. But specifically for me, it was DMs. And still to this day, it is. I slid in his DMs. I was like, hey, Gary, um, I just want to say, absolutely love the sneakers. I'm going to be doing a photo shoot in the next couple of weeks. I'll keep you posted on the content. By the way, what would it take to get five minutes of your time in New York? And that's all. It was something simple like that, right? And he goes, done. Let's make it happen. Like DM Tyler, right? That's his, that's his personal assistant. I end up messaging him. Um, we ended up scheduling a time. It was like, you know, late February, early March for me to come up to New York to have a five minute meeting with Gary. And I want people to understand this. And this, I always tell people there's multiple ways to invest into your brand. There's, there's advertising. I, I could go pay for Instagram ads. I could go to an event to meet someone. But for me, it's been traveling to meet people, right? I was this junior in high school that has a math test on a Friday and I missed 60 days. <laughs> I missed 60 days of school senior year to travel. So for me to go to New York to have a five minute meeting with Gary Vaynerchuk, I had to sacrifice two days of school. My parents getting mad at me for missing a test, but that's what, that's what my investment into my brand was at the time. It was okay. I have an opportunity. I'm going to go spend, you know, a thousand, two thousand $2,000 to go to New York, to book a hotel, to book the flight, to have five minutes with someone that I admire to get content and to collaborate with him. And that's what I did, right? Go to New York. I have, you know, it's ended up being like five, 10, 15 minutes with him. And that was the initial connection of us. I was able to connect with him, go to his office, meet people on his team. And still to this day, I think the most important thing is I know, you know, dozens of people on his team that I truly have a relationship with that. Yes, it's not like me and Gary are super close, but from that experience of going to his office and meeting him and sitting down with him, I was able to connect with his team and still have quality relationships and have done business with different people, a part of his team, whether that's, you know, asking a question or at 1.37 PM and doing a piece of content with them. But long story short, it was literally just shooting a DM, having that meeting with him, but having the brand and the content and the, the personal brand exposure for him to say yes, because he was able to, to go on my profile and look what I was doing. And I was just starting a podcast and I did 40 interviews before that meeting. So I had something to talk to him about saying, Hey, this is what I did. This is what you told me to do. And I'd love to hear about, you know, what should I do next? Right. So he had that mentor moment, but yeah, I mean, just to, to wrap up the question, it was something that gave me some fire to go all in on sending DMs and getting people on my podcast. He was the catalyst to that. And now it's been over two and a half years and I've interviewed over 200 plus people. And it's definitely opened up a lot of doors when it comes to, you know, how Gary inspired me to start a podcast and put out content. So I think, you know, that it's, that's an incredible story. And I'm, I appreciate you sharing that. It's, uh, it's so important for people to understand that these things, they don't happen by magic. It happens through follow through. So it's one thing to stay curious. It's another thing to get involved. And then it's an even another thing to ask for help. You know, and that's something that Dave Meltzer does an incredible job helping me as a mentor ask for help. You know, it's it's one thing when you find some compelling content, you want to surround yourself with the, the best people. You know, I, I saw that on your profile. I saw that on the Rise of the Young. Whoever did the graphics for your podcast page, your <laughs> IG podcast page, holy fuck, that shit is fire. They did a phenomenal job. Yes. Yeah. Phenomenal. Absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. Um, you know, kudos to them. Yeah, and we'll put link. We're, we're, what's his name? Sabian? Yeah. His name's Sabian Chase. He's from Australia. He's a beast. 
Dude, Sabian Chase, he's got a lot of a lot of work in his future. We're going to put a link to everything we talk about in the show notes. Um, Ian Stonebrook, it's my man out of uh, Austin. Uh, he does an incredible job wrapping up the podcast and my producer, Stover, up in Portland. But it, it all takes teamwork. Tell me about, do you have a team? Yeah, man. So, I mean, I, I would say with the podcast, I mean, I, I've been utilizing one of my good friends, Yoli. He's 16 years old. He's someone that does all my audio, my podcasting. And then I have a whole team of designers and, you know, um, people that rec- uh, not record, but um, edit and upload all my content from the interviews I do to YouTube and to my Instagram page and all that sort of stuff. But it's all remote, right? Like I have an office here in Scottsdale, just, you know, a little small office that we've had for the past like six months or so. But everything I do is mainly remote, and that's something that long-term, I definitely want to build an in-house team from when it comes to like scaling my personal brand. But for now, it's something that, you know, four years ago, I started this, this social media journey in my bedroom in Virginia, and now I, I live out here in Arizona, and it's been something that I've built so many relationships with quality designers and video editors online that I've been able to really tap into those resources, especially for the people that follow me and want to bring value. And in that same format, I'll tag them and promote them and bring them clients and all that sort of way. But um, yeah, it's all remote for now. It's all remote. That, that's uh, that's very, very cool. Um, I would love it. You know, when we, we talk to a lot of other podcasters, successful podcasters, and, you know, there's there's a fascinating article. We'll put a link in the show notes, but about, you know, there's over a million podcasts on Apple Podcasts now. And, you know, audio content is so important, not just now, but into the future and creating audio content that's meaningful. One of the things I went to a podcast movement conference, um, we started our podcast in 2017. I think that was the same year I went to that uh, conference and I went there and what they always what they talked about and what anyone successful talks about it's the long game it's not about worrying about the roi it's not about worrying about the downloads it's about putting out the content that compels you that you know your listeners will be compelled by tell me what your strategy is and why you're posting three episodes three fucking incredible episodes every week (laughs) yeah man so it's it's funny i've had so much like fluctuation with my posting schedule my podcast so just for, for reference, so I started my podcast, it was late 2017, like late December, and I've had it for you know a little over two years. I started out by the first, you know, probably 60 days, I put out like 40 episodes because that was I was rushing to put out 40 to before I had my meeting with Gary. And then it led into doing once one a week. Sometimes I didn't post for a month because I didn't do an interview. And for me, it was never about and and I wanna bring people, you know, I wanna give some people some reference. My podcast, it's not about me and my personal brand. It's never been about me, me, me. It's been about building off the the association of others, right? So every every person that may know me, they probably found me from someone else or from someone I collaborated with because I built my brand off of association marketing. That's what I like to call it. So for me, since day one, I've said, hey, I'm not like, I wouldn't consider myself when I started this an interviewer, right? But I loved having quality conversations and I was curious in others' stories, right? And after, you know, 200 plus interviews and interviewing Larry King, I've I've learned to love conversations and what creates a quality conversation. So now I look at it where it's like, hey, I'm going to do interviews for the rest of my life. And I see myself doing, you know, 10, 20, 30,000 interviews in my life the same way Larry King did it because he's a connected with the most powerful people in the world. But B, it opens up so many doors to opportunities and, you know, potential investors and business partners and just the list goes on and on. But for me, when it comes to my posing schedule now, over the last 
Um, it's been, yeah, over the last 30 or 40 days, I've posted an interview actually every single day. I have not missed a day. So I've been doing three interviews a day, two interviews a day where I built this, you know, content Rolodex of everything I'm doing because, and I can't give too much information, information away yet, but I'm launching this new podcast software within the next 90 days. That's going to be overall connecting podcasters with advertisers and guests. And I'm more so building up the storyline of, Hey, this is how, you know, I have to DM 150 people to book 50 interviews and follow up 17 times to hopefully get an interview on Thursday at 11 a.m. When that's, there, there needs to be a process and a system and a, a software that can simplify that. And that's overall what I'm building. But um, for me right now, like I'm super curious in, like I said, other people's stories. And through having this brand that I've built and having these quality people on my show, it's led me to get more people to say yes, right? Because not not only leverage and positioning, but if I say, hey, I've had uh, Larry King on my show and Rick Ross and Jesse Itzler and Tillman Fertitta and two other billionaires, it's easier for someone highly successful that you know does podcasts and interviews to say yes to me. So for me, I, I understand in this current moment that I now have leverage to get more high quality people on the show than I did four years ago. But I don't want that to discourage anyone. If someone's listening to this saying, Hey, I just started my podcast yesterday because that was me, right? I was a literally, I was a 17 year old kid in my bedroom with a hundred dollar microphone, no connection, have never been to California, don't have a social media following, have no outside relationships in business. And now I'm sitting down with Larry King in his office in LA. How does that happen? Because I didn't focus on the big names first, right? I focused on the people in my network. I focused on the people that I already had rapport with and relationships with that were still interesting and had a story. And, you know, 114 interviews later and 18 months later, I finally got that first big name that led me to get six other big names on, right? But for now, just for the reference of the question, I've been doing an interview a day and I plan to do that until my 20th birthday, which is July 9th. So a little over a a month and a half. And I just want to do that because my plan was to do 100 interviews during quarantine, but B, by the time I turn 20, and that will give me some, it will give me a lot of momentum when I go and launch this new software that I'm building. So I'm excited about it. (laughs) That's awesome. Who's, uh, Who's on your big ask board? Of like potential interviews, yeah, man, I I have such a big list. I mean, some of the higher level people that I think obviously give me, give me the impossible ones, the impossible but possible. You know, The Rock, Oprah, Ellen, Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, Kevin Hart, like all these like world class people that you know that it would seem impossible. Right. And I think for me also, I want to interview 12 billionaires this year. Right. That's like my like bare minimum goal, because I believe, you know, there's only two, what, 2,200 billionaires in the world. If I could interview 12 of them this year, and that will compound into 200 within the next 10 years, that means I'm connected and have personal relationships with 200 billionaires that can bring value to my life and vice versa. So for me, like this year, I've had three billionaires in the show, Tillman Fertitta, owns the Rockets and Laundries, which is, you know, the the biggest restaurant empire in the world. And then I I recently had Trevor Milton on the show. That's the the founder of Nikola Motors, which is a hydrogen powered trucking company that's completely revolutionizing that space. He's a billionaire. And then Ernie Bach, who is an automotive billionaire that owns like majority of all of the automobile dealerships in Massachusetts. And his family started that business like 
over 60 years ago. So I've gotten three so far under my, under my belt. So the goal is 12 this year. And um, yeah, but I would say the impossible are those like those big names that if, you know, once I sit down with the rock and Kevin Hart, I want to build the narrative of like, why can't any other young person and not only young person, but individual not get connected with, with such high level people. Because at the end of the day, going back to the main goal of this podcast, social media gives all of us the opportunity to connect with anybody, but it's not going to be easy, right? You can't send one DM to the rock and expect a response, right? But if you figure out who his assistant is and then reach out to her on email and then six months go by, you follow up and then you finally get a maybe, and then you interview the rocks best friend. And then he says, yes, Boom. That's what people don't see. Right. And I think that's what I try to talk a lot about in these interviews. It's like to interview Larry King, you didn't under, like people don't see the, the 12 events I had to go to to meet Larry King's son to go to Tillman Fertitta's dinner that led me to having that potential to have him on my show. Right. But um, yeah, man, I think the list goes on and on. And I definitely want to just continue to interview the most high level people, not for the sake of like, Hey, I want to have them on my show, but I want to bridge the gap between like rise of the young, right? The youth, someone that has a young perspective so that, you know, when a young entrepreneur or a young individual sees this interview, it's relatable, right? Because I think a lot of times when I see an interview with someone that, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, 40, 50 is old in any sense, but if I can bring the the relatability to a, a younger audience, that's my, that's my leverage. And that's what makes my show different. And that's what I want to do. And I want to do it quick and I want to maximize it. I think you're doing a phenomenal job bridging that gap. I'd love to hear your perspective on people as I know you consult with brands on their social media, on strategies that they're going to be using on TikTok, what's the biggest objection you get and what is your response to that objection? Yeah, just like regarding social media overall? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would say like a lot of brands and individuals that I do consulting with, it's, for example, for TikTok, I've been working with them for like the last eight or nine months, just like really working with their corporate team and helping brands lay out a strategy on there. And it's, one of the objections is like, hey, why TikTok, right? My daughter's nine years old. She's like <laughs> dancing on TikTok. How can my restaurant utilize TikTok? And it's one of those things as well where it's like, hey, that's the same thing that you probably said 10 years ago when Instagram was just getting started or when Facebook originally launched. So it's, I always, I always like to tell people it's better to be early and wrong than to be late and behind the curve. Right. So for me, for example, when it comes to laying out a personal brand strategy with any high level entrepreneur or brand, it's always being adaptable to social media because when a new update comes out on Instagram where you can raise money on an Instagram poll or you can raise money on a live stream or you can do a swipe up on TikTok or whatever it is, it's being ahead of the curve and being there first that brings value to the brand and gives you leverage to generate more sales or to bring in more customers, right? But I would say in terms of objections, it really it really depends on the brand of the individual, but I would say the most important thing is what I always come back to is just being adaptable and understanding that things always change on social. And like I just said, it's better to be early and wrong than late and behind the curve. Yeah, that's for sure. I think um, I think it's really important in this day and age for people to understand just the sheer volume of people that are on the internet and that are on these platforms. You know, no matter what business you're in, I mean, this is the coronavirus, you know, so social distancing and the amount of people that are on unemployment, the amount of people that are realizing that 
we live in an Amazon Prime world. We live in a Netflix world. You know, people have access. If you have internet, you have access to whatever you care about, whatever your passion is. You can go on podcasts and find audio content related to that. You can go on YouTube and find video content related to that. You can go on Medium. You can go on all these different platforms and search what you care about. If you're selling something and you don't end up on search, that's a fucking problem. (laughs) that That is a big problem. How do you approach your own personal website and what kind of tips do you have for people that are starting their own website? Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would say website. I mean, I'm not any, you know, SEO expert in any sense, but I would say just regarding like the fundamentals, right? Like I remember just for a simple sake, like three years ago when I bought my CaseyAdams.com, right? And just to give some context, it was like $900 about the domain, right? And I, it's real estate at the end of the day, right? Like your, your name and your brand name on social media is real estate, right? CaseyAdams.com, I bought that because that's like the real estate for my brand, right? Same thing on Instagram. My name is at CaseyAdams1. I've been trying for years to buy <laughs> who has it and they won't buy it or whatever. But same thing. They won't on- even send you a price? Well, this, he's like, he asked for $25,000 for $25,000? I mean, that's not worth it right now, but hey, maybe <laughs> put down on it and buy it. But back to the sense of like starting a website or starting, um, you know, a brand. Any branch, the first thing they should do is, hey, I want to make sure that I can snag up all the domains across social media and get the websites and secure it because that's my social identity, right? So for me, when I launched a new TikTok, when I launched my TikTok, right, I made sure that I connected with TikTok and their corporate team and they were able to do a domain change for my name at, like, at Casey Adams. So I secured it. But the same thing, going back to the question of like starting a website, when I, um, I always talk about this. Building up social credibility is super important. For example, on Instagram, if you're verified, you're 10 times more likely to get uh, a DM back from someone that you message, right? And that comes to having the right PR. That that comes to having the right digital footprint. That comes down to having a, a Google knowledge panel. And the same thing for your business, right? Like for me, before I launch this new software, I've secured all the social media domains. I'm going to be doing a whole PR campaign so that I can work on getting this, you know, this brand and this new product verified so that I have social leverage so that when I launch it, it's all, it's already highly credible in the eyes of the consumer. Right. And I think that's super important for any business owner is okay. If you Google your business, what comes up? Do you have a Google knowledge panel? Do you not know what that is? You should look that up because if you don't have something where if you Google your name or your business and you know, that little box pops up to the right of it, whether that's a location of your business or the, the, the website or whatever it is, you should work on that because it's, it's super important from an SEO perspective to just be everywhere, right? Like I always tell people, I never spread myself thin on wanting to post on every social media platform on a daily basis. I would say my two major um, platforms are Instagram and my podcast, right? But at the end of the day, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm on TikTok, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on YouTube. I'm not posting every day and putting the same amount of attention into that. And one day, I, like you said earlier, I plan to have a team that does all that for me. But for now, I'm not spending my time on the things that don't bring an ROI for me. But at the, at the end of the day as well, I'm there, right? So the same thing with mm-hmm. starting a website and being there, always look for the things that can, that can separate you, not only from your competition, but can bring more awareness to your brand, whether that's doing a PR campaign, whether that's reaching out to 20 podcasts and doing a, a show with them 
just to talk about your brand or your business so that when you Google your name, California barbecue, that if you, if, if anyone looks that up on the podcast, there's 20 shows that you've been on that you can listen to the story of the founder. Right? So I would say just to, to bring it full circle, just always look for ways to build more social footprints because that compounded over time is how you truly build a brand. It's something you can't do overnight. You can't shortcut the process by hiring the best team. You have to put in the work and actually do what it takes to build that social footprint. How do you choose to say yes and to choose to say no? I would say like for podcasts in a sense. Sure, for podcasts. It, it depends because sometimes I look at it like Gary Vee, right? He always looks at it as like a, a give, 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 ask perspective, right? So for me, like every Saturday, I try to take some time to reach out to like 20, 30 people to potentially have my show during the next two weeks. I always look at it like this. As much as I'm reaching out to people to get on my show and I'm hoping they say yes, I get, you know, 20, 50, 100 requests a month to be on a show. And for the people that I instantly look at their page, I can scroll through and see they're actually trying and putting in the work to build a brand. I'll tend to say yes, right? I don't care about the necessarily their followers or the amount of downloads. I don't care about the statistics as much as I do about the person that's putting out the content and actually, you know, building a brand because for me, right, if I if I plan to do an interview a day for the next 30 days and I have 30 people in my show, I try to say yes to, you know, maybe 10 people that reach out to me on a monthly basis. But it also comes down to like when I'm promoting something and when I'm talking about something, because I never always want to talk aimlessly about, you know, my story every single day for a hundred days. That won't get me anywhere, right? I don't want to waste yeah. time, but I do want to bring value to people that are consistent. So for example, if I go through my DMs and I always try to make sure that I, you know, spend time responding to people on a daily basis. If I go to my DMs and I see someone that's, they've been consistent with me and they've reached out twice and, you know, they've followed up with me. That's something that shows me, Hey, they're committed to having me on their show. I'll say yes, but I'm not, you know, I don't try to, intentionally schedule five interviews a week to be on other people's shows. It just comes down to what my goals are in the, in the moment. But I do say yes more than no, or I, or I'm not even, I say no, I'll just postpone it and say, Hey, reach out to me in 60 days and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll make it happen. But at this time it doesn't make sense for me. But I think for anyone that's looking to promote, you need to say yes more than no. Right. Because at the end of the day, it's not about the numbers. It's about just, if you do 30 podcast interviews and you Google your name, that will come up and that will build your brand and your digital footprint. And that's super important. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I heard somebody after Anthony Bourdain passed, it was a prominent writer. They wrote an article and they said that, you know, Anthony Bourdain was different because he was the type of celebrity that he never said no to anybody. It didn't matter how big the publication was, how small the publication was. He would always give somebody a writer, uh, someone that wanted audio, someone that wanted video, he would always give them the time of day. And that helped him build, you know, this incredible brand, you know, an incredible personal brand. Uh, why, why was writing a book important for you? Yeah, so I wrote a book 2017, I self published it. And at the time, because like looking back, right, it was, it was, I was still am super young. But if I wrote a book now, I would do it so differently, right? I, what would you do? What would you do differently? Like the relationships and how I would market it and how, what I would write about. Like when I first wrote the book, like 
I was just building my brand. I didn't have as much credibility or, you know, business success in any sense. But when I launched it, it, I looked at it as just another piece of content, right? I did interviews with maybe six people, got them to write in the book. I wrote about turning your negative situation into a positive outcome. But when I, when I wrote the book, I ended up selling like a thousand copies to my school in Virginia. And now it's like on it, every single semester in the English class in my high school, in the 10th grade, they give my book out to the students, which is super dope. That's super cool. When I wrote it, the intention was to just, you know, to speak to that young individual that lost hope that is going through a negative time, whether that's family or personal or, you know, just anything that maybe like that changed their, their focus. Because for me, when I was in my neck brace, I went from loving life, playing football, playing lacrosse to one day that practice changed everything for me. The next day I could never play football again. I was in a neck brace and I could have been paralyzed. And I, within 24 hours had to recreate this new identity of myself and how I looked at the world. So that book was more so a, a piece of content B it was something that could give me credibility, but looking back, it also really built my brand because if you look up rise, the young on Google, you can see that same thing. There's so much SEO around it and so much digital credibility that it helped me, you know, land different interviews. It helped me get speaking gigs. It helped me get verified. All these different things that add so much weight to your digital footprint, it helped me win. But it is something that, um, you know, it's something that I look back on and it's like, you know, I sold thousands of copies and I did a book deal with my school and it still sells to this day. But I looked at it as just another piece of content in a physical form. That's something that I could hand out to people or something that I could, you know, buy for someone that follows me for them to get a sense of who I am. And that's more so what the purpose was. And when's your next book coming out? Dude, I have a lot of ideas. Like my, my plan for my next book, honestly, is like to, to, for example, it's like what I learned from interviewing a hundred billionaires, right? Like something like that. Something like I've thought about before. Like I can turn so much of the content that I've made in these interviews into like a quality piece of literature when working with a, a publisher, right? So I don't know. I look at it like probably within the next two to three years, like I'll really make it a priority and like do a, a big publishing deal, but it's not a priority at this current moment but I do see the value in it. And I know that if I approach it this time, I have a lot more leverage through my audience and relationships and the content that I've produced. But um, it is something that I, I've thought about that you know runs around in my head, but it's, like I said, not a priority at the current moment. So when I uh, for, when I met you at Dave uh, Dave's house in South Mission, I also got to meet uh, Jacqueline Burnett, and uh, Dave also said you have to meet Jacqueline Burnett, and I said I I don't know who that is, and he gave her such a high recommendation, and um, you know I looked her up and looked at what she was up to, and I know that you guys are close. Why is it important to have um, people in your in your inner circle like her? Hundred yeah, percent. It's so cool. So, I mean, Jacqueline, for instance. Throughout this quarantine, she literally wrote a book and is getting it finished and published and edited at this current moment. She just recently launched her, her podcast. And I've known Jacqueline for a little over three years and just like through her journey, um, you know, like I, I look at relationships and just, you know, the inner circle is something super important because it's like that quote, it's like, show me your friends and I'll show you your future, right? I, yeah. I, I take that to heart and I believe, you know, someone like Jacqueline or my roommate Kieran, like what they bring to the table when it comes to the positivity, to the value they provide to their thoughts and how they see the world. Like I... 
it's super important to, to bounce ideas off of people, right? And I think for someone like Jacqueline, with someone like I helped her start a podcast and um, I've been bouncing ideas off of her when it comes to her writing her book and I'm going to be in her book. So it's like just having people that are working towards the same mission, right? And have the same core values as you, super important. And it's something that you should definitely, you know, be on her show and have her on here. She's amazing and she's filled with positivity and she's brought out a whole new level of, you know, her podcast is called Happiness Habitat. And she's someone that just consistently brings love and positivity and joy into my life. And I think that's super important to have just quality people around you that do that. What advice would you give to anyone that has kids that are your age, um, that has hopes and dreams? Um, obviously, your your parents did something for you to have to support you in some way to let you drive and continue. I mean, the work that you're doing for a 19 year old, I can't tell you uh, how impressed I am. Um, and I know that this is just the beginning. I know that no matter how many billionaires you have on the show, you're going to continue to add value and to make the world a better place. So thank you for that. But what, what kind of advice would you give to, to parents that have, that have kids that you're, that are your age? Yeah. No, I love this question, man. And it's funny. So even yesterday, right, it was mother's day. I was talking to my mom on the phone and we were just, you know, having a great conversation. And we were talking about how, um, like I have two older brothers, one of them is 20, um, 22 and he would have graduated college this year. He didn't go to college. He dropped out of community college, but a lot of his friends, I was on Facebook yesterday and seeing that they were posting about graduating and how they have to graduate online and all this stuff. And I was just talking to her because I didn't go to college, right? I, I moved out of my, um, right a month after I graduated high school, I moved out to Arizona by myself, no family in Arizona, just me and my buddies completely, um, you know, took the risk and moved out to Arizona and pursued our passions. And I think what my mom and I were talking about yesterday, I was just telling her how grateful I am for, for letting her, you know, like do to follow my gut and to do what I think was right for me. And my intentions were always right. Right. For me going to LA to go to a business event when I was 16, traveling alone, like that's so scary as a parent. And I even like, I, at some points I'm like, I don't know how you want me to do that. Like I was flying to Los Angeles by myself, missing a week of school, staying with someone that you met once and you know, and you've talked to on the phone, but it's something just completely absurd. They like thinking back on it, but it was, they knew my intention and my heart was what you know, I was going out there for the right purpose, right? They knew the event I was going to, they knew the person I was staying with, and there was a sense of safety there, but they let me do me, right? And I was, A, I was mature enough to, to you know, to be making my own money. I, I wasn't asking for things. And they let me really just, you know, double down on what I thought was right. Like they wanted me to get a job when I was 15, 16 years old. And I said, Hey, no, I'm going to look this online marketing and um, affiliate marketing, and I'm going to learn how to make a couple hundred bucks a month online. And that's what I did. And that's compounded. So looking back, I would say for, you know, whether that's a parent is listening or someone that has young kids, I would recommend, right? Like everyone has their idea of like, what they want for their kids. And right. I'm not a parent. I don't have the, obviously the credibility in any sense to say this, but I look at it like, I'm just so grateful that my parents gave me some runway to experiment. Right. Because I looked at it like, Hey, if I go to college and delay moving out until four years, what opportunity did I miss? I would have missed out on these 200 interviews. I would have missed out on these events that I've hosted with hundreds of people. I would have missed out on the business opportunity and, you know, having the experience to go to San Diego 
for a week during quarantine to, to get clear and to really refocus so that I'm really clear on the next six months on where I'm going, right? And for me, coming from a small town in Richmond, Virginia, like I, I grew up in an environment where both of my parents never went to California. I never flew an air, on an airplane growing up until I could pay for it myself. So I was just so hungry and driven by new experiences that I wasn't provided. And that was, that's what fueled me. So I would say just to, to circle back to the question, like if you have a young kid or, you know, son or daughter that's motivated, like let them let them spark that fire inside and follow their passion and see where it goes. Because at the end of the day, they will create their life and you don't want to box them into something that you think is right for them. Right. Because if my, if I was to, if my parents were to look at me four years ago and say, Hey, you reaching out to people on social media, how are you going to make money? Like it physically, it did not make sense to them. Right. They see me in my room and now they're like, Oh, you were talking on the phone with this person that led to this person. And, Looking back, it's easy to understand how, you know, the steps made sense and how the journey evolved. But yeah, just to circle back, I would say just, you know, give them give them some room to experiment and let them follow their passion. Because at the end of the day, like after sitting down with so many highly successful people, the people that really win big are the people that follow their gut and don't let other people dictate their life for them. Right. And that and a lot of them, it may, it may not be at 16 like it was for me. It may be at 20 or 24. But yeah, I would say just, you know, let them do what's right for them and be a guide, but don't, you know, don't make them do something if they don't want to do it. I really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, you, you did a phenomenal job asking Larry King the question of what makes someone great. And his his answer was the greatest people are driven. And I highly recommend I highly recommend you guys uh, that are listening to this. Listen to that interview. It was absolutely phenomenal. Um, subscribe to Rise Rise of the Young podcast. Follow Casey. Um, everything we talked about is going to be in the show notes. How uh, how can people find you other than Googling you? <laughs> I know if you, I know if, I know if they Google you, they're going to find you everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So Instagram is probably the best place. It's just at Casey Adams one on Instagram. The podcast is rise of the young. That's, you know, iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere a podcast is listed. And then, yeah, those are the two best platforms and definitely shoot me a DM on Instagram. Let me know that you came from the show. I always like touching base with the people that actually take time to listen. So definitely hit me up and I'll make sure to respond. And are you available for uh, corporate corporate coaching on social media? Totally. Yeah, no, I, I do a lot of just, you know, consulting with different brands and individuals. And if anyone's out there that has a company or is looking to lay out or dial in their strategy, I, I'm totally available. And if it makes sense, great. But um, yeah, I would definitely lear- love to learn more about, you know, if anyone has a business out there, I definitely learn- would love to learn more about your business and see how I can help. That's awesome, man. We really appreciate it. Uh, be sure to check out the YouTube show, Cali Barbecue Media. We'll put um, an incredible article about what uh, Casey laid down, the knowledge he dropped um, today. Um, subscribe to his podcast and uh, follow him online. I can't wait, man. I can't wait to watch you continue to grow. You know that uh, your family, anytime you're here in San Diego, if you ever need anything, um, you reach out and we're, uh, we got you taken care of, my man. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. You're welcome. 